Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights. We've actually won a game of football. Yeah, we'll be covering the the win against Crystal Palace and then, especially with only three games to go until the end of the season, we're going to be looking ahead to the summer and what is a big summer ahead for Southampton. My name is Tom Murray. My name is Callum Wilson and this is Under the Lights. So, Callum, after long last, we actually won a game of football. That felt good to watch. Yeah, strange experience. I uh, starting to forget what it was like. We don't, we don't do it the easy way either, do we? The, the two wins that we have had in the last uh, six or so games, both coming from behind, just the one goal behind this time. But after two minutes, kind of looking at it, thinking, oh, here we go again. Saw some people on Twitter who turned off after three minutes. So, uh, yeah, a bad start. But again, some character, which uh, it's, it's nice for a change for us to be the ones coming back from behind rather than throwing away a lead. Yeah, it really was. And I thought that, I, I mean, I can't blame some of the people on Twitter for turning off after a couple of minutes, knowing what our form has been for the entirety of this year. And then bought for Benteke. I think someone put that Benteke won about six 50-50 challenges in that little segment of defending right at the very start. So you can't really blame them. But we we got a good performance out the side and they once they had got their attacking play going, we created a lot of good chances, although we seemed, every shot that we seemed to have in that first half seemed to be sort of just left of the six-yard box trying to get it, bend it into that far corner. Although getting back into the game did take a little bit of magic out of nowhere from Danny Ings. That was uh, something out of nothing. Yeah, I mean, he did manage to find that corner. I know, uh, you know Redmond and uh, I think Stevens and, and Adams all had a go. But Danny Ings, as, as per usual, the, the man who can find a way past the goalkeeper. And and it was really important we got that goal because the longer it went on, the, the more draining I think the belief would have been from the side and, and it would have been a, another one of those days potentially because Palace are a hard nut to crack once they uh, once they get a lead and we've seen that before. So yeah, kind of across from Redmond's that foundings but wasn't really a, a, an opportunity created and holding off the defender back to goal with a really, I think, underrated first touch to pop it behind him and then the second touch to put it through Dan's legs and into the very bottom corner. I think everything that needed to happen for that ball to go in the goal happened. I mean, Dan's legs were barely open. He had to time it so that it was just as he challenged him. And Goita had looked like he pretty much had it covered, apart from um, apart from it sliding off the post and into the into the bottom corner. So Danny Ings doing what he does best. And uh, I mean, as soon as he scored that, I just thought. My God, we need him. We need him in this team because no one else can do what he does. No, and I think that with if that doesn't go in or Ings isn't playing, then as you said, for the rest of the game, we are huffing and puffing trying to get an equaliser and maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Most likely it, it, it doesn't. But again, a really good show of character because we could have easily, despite getting back into the game and making it at one all, we could have been 2-1 down on the break of half time, which would have been another hit to the confidence, but the great wall of Forster made uh, made a cracking save. Yeah, I mean, fair play to him. He, he went the right way, and once he guessed the correct way, you know, he's always going to save it. It wasn't the best penalty, but having seen the stats of his last five penalties, I think uh, I think any one of us could have ended up <laughs> saving it because uh, 
you knew exactly where uh, where he was going to go. But yeah, Forster did his homework. He stood up, good save. And just before he saved it, I was I, I said to myself, we we never save penalties. I think McCarthy McCarthy got one it was against Newcastle the last game before lockdown, and and that was kind of a, a bit of a, a rarity. So to see uh, to see Fraser Forster get that that save, and also but big for him because we you know we'd. It's a massive confidence boost for him, was for the team as well. And we're still looking for a number one. So that can only help his case. Absolutely. So he makes that great save on a night where I thought Crystal Palace players loved going down on the ground. There were so, so many fouls last night and plenty of them rolling around. And it was always good to see the mental battle between our captain and Wilfred Zaha, which is almost as fun as the actual game happening. And in the second half, a set-piece routine. Again, fortunate in the way that it got all the way to the back post for Shea Adams. He can't seem to score an open goal when the goalkeeper's passed it straight to him, but he can at an incredibly tight angle with him hitting the ball in the direction that should be away from the goal and it's still going in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still don't know how he managed to score it. You didn't realise how difficult a chance it was until you saw the replay. And, and again, you know, he hit it exactly... In the you know there wasn't much margin for error either hitting the post hitting the defender hitting the keeper but yeah I think I think uh, Ing- Ings couldn't quite get to it Stephen stretched and he missed it third man at the back so they're all queuing up and that's great to see and what what I what I love was with with that corner we had so many corners in the first half and so many times it went straight to Gaeta or you know what we were trying wasn't working and rather than continuing to try the same things you know the captain. Um, chose to uh, chose to play that one to Armstrong, which we've seen a few times, and and you know, all praise to the to the coaches staff and the management. Yeah, it's been worked on. It was a miss hit that shortly after I think uh, Armstrong had just gone down with that injury with uh, on his shin, and he was limping into the celebration. I, I'm not sure he really wanted that, but but you know, it doesn't matter how they go in. It did, and and that completely changed Chadham's performance. And I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever seen such a confidence player because. When he is on it, he, he's a real handful. And we saw that from from the uh, from the third goal, a, a really good assist. But he was working hard off the ball. Everything was sticking to him. And, and Chad Adams was playing in a way that we haven't seen for for quite a number of games now. And you just you just wonder if if you know so a, a sports psychologist or, so, or something could be used for Chad Adams to say that he, even if you're not scoring goals, yeah, you could still do everything else you do for the team. And and that will come. And uh, I thought he was magnificent after, you know, in the second half after his goal. I thought he, he was him and Ings up front were were sensational. And as you say, the pass to set up the third goal, really good way that he sort of lunged forward to get that pass that was just in front of him to bring it under his control. And then again, the weight of pass at exactly the right time for Ings. And that was just a typical Danny Ings finish. If, the, if there was an element of luck with the first and second goals, the third one was just a great passing move. And just Danny Ings doing what Danny Ings does best with a really good finish into the far corner. Sort of that toe poke that we've seen so many times, just waiting for the keeper to come out and then quickly just nip it past him. That must be the majority of his finishes for us. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those finishes that, um, although it's a one-on-one, it's simple. He will score pretty much 10 out of 10 times is why he's so valuable to us. Whereas we've seen, you know, only last week, Che Adams not able to finish that sort of chance um, and others around him. So, yeah, he, he is a, a, a deadly finisher um, and we need more of those. What, what I was impressed with and, and um, 
I mean, I praised on, you know, Arsenal at all. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe hastily because I think it turns out that Bedrak has actually actually got an injury and that that substitution was forced at half time. But I, I thought at the time it was um, a really proactive substitution because to bring Salasu on and to change your centre halves at half time um, because he was struggling. He was on a yellow card. He couldn't get near Benteke. He was he was completely outplayed by him. And we needed a, a different answer. And Sally Sue came on, who I and many others thought should have started anyway. Mm. And second half, I thought they just gave us a platform, second half, to really dominate the game because we weren't struggling for... Um, we weren't struggling to, to defend. We weren't constantly... Once you've got a solid base, the rest of the team can kind of do what they're good at. And I think sometimes when you're leaking goals, a, a, a lot of the forward players kind of... Maybe not, maybe not pushing as far forward as they would, or maybe not leaving gaps because they need to protect the back four. So when Salasu came on, I, I found it strange that he moved him from centre half to left back for Stephen. They sort of swapped after 10, 15 minutes of him coming on. I thought Stevens was good at, at left back again, and almost immediately, as soon as he went there, he kind of he he, he cocked it up, and Benteke almost went through and scored. But I thought Salasu centre half is, is uh, with Vestergaard is really strong for us and will be next season, I feel. And then we kind of went into a little bit, a lot of the time I found us playing three at the back with wing backs when we were in possession. Stevens is, is, is a left back when when we're defending. But when I think I, I felt that when we had the ball, we had a three at the back and Redmond was playing as a, almost a left wing back with Carl Walker-Peters right wing back. And, and I saw that in previous games as well. So Ralph Arsenal's were finding ways to use the players that he has without having a backup at fullback, which we'll go on to talk about, I'm sure, later when we will discuss players that we need to bring in. But, you know, Stephen's done a job. We're kind of stumbling over the finish line. And, um, and it, you know, it's good to see a comfortable display in a win where I felt that we really deserved it. And we did. And I suppose if we're, apart, f- apart from the defending for the Palace goal, if we're if there, if there was a negative about the performance from a player perspective, I think it would be the n- complete non-performance of Minamino. I thought he lost the ball countless times, was muscled off it far too easily. And there was he didn't really show any, re- any quality of the player that we thought when we signed him. And I thought it was quite funny when the commentator on Sky said, of course, Southampton were in the market for centre-backs mm. and got Minamino. And I thought, I know it's probably just a slip of the tongue, but if, if it's not, then we have a plethora of centre-backs. They're not all brilliant, but we don't need another one. We needed full-backs and we got Minamino. Yeah. I but... think I'd shouted, I think I shouted at the telly saying that we were, we were after full-backs. You'd, yeah, fill in yeah. the expletive, yeah. however, you, however you best see it. But st- standard, really, from Sky. 15 minutes before... Uh, kick off to give us do a bit of a, a run through the, the teams and the pre-match because there's only Saints and Palace and it's dead rubber and then they send in the B team on commentary and uh, as per usual they don't know uh, who's who and, and what's what because um, there's nothing beyond the top six. What I did find really funny actually in the commentary was the fact that they were going to debating whether to give man of the match to a striker of a team that were 3-1 down. Oh, it made me laugh. So this went, man of the match. I said, I said to my mate, I was, oh, Danny Ings by chance. Oh, there he is, Danny Ings scored two goals. And then the other guy was, as you say, 
the one who scored the goal. I mean, first half, he was really good, Benteke. Mm. But second half, he was non-existent uh, once we changed it up. And, um, and, and you, as, as I say, yeah, you lose 3-1. Yeah, you can't even be contemplating giving him uh, man of the match. But yeah, overall, I thought great performance um, from Saints. It's good to see. And when you talk about Minamino, yeah, I, I agree. I, I was watching it thinking, like, honestly, it, like zero out of ten. Like, I couldn't. And then I thought there's absolutely no chance that anyone has rated his performance. And then there were people when I couldn't really believe mm. yeah, that I was reading that. I, I thought he looked like a player who was on his way out. You know, no reason for him to 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 play. I think he was constantly being talked to by play, other players like Redmond's. You know, I don't think he was on the same wavelength. And to be honest, I was majorly surprised that he was in the team. I thought that the team... It was obvious that Arsenal had put out a team that was, it sounds stupid, but like he, he needed to get a result rather than, I think a lot of people had talked about maybe playing some players like Jankowicz, who wasn't even in the squad, Teller, Oberfemi, with maybe an eye on next season um, <clears throat> because we're in a position where we have nothing to play for and we have an extra four games left to go. So that I thought it would be a bit more like that. But the team was very much, you could call it full strength, in Arsenal's eyes, maybe he thought Minamino was the best winger to play, but he, yeah, he, he was abysmal. Surprised he lasted ninety minutes. Maybe there's something in his contract. He has to play a certain amount of games. I don't know, but he looked like he looked disinterested. He was the one who didn't track Zaha when you know Redmond gets a lot of flack when Zaha bought that that penalty. But he was, I, I just felt he was merely chasing back because Minamino didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't I think he was that great, but he's not going to be here next season. No, and I think that with Zaminamino, uh, you, I'd be incredibly surprised now. Actually, I'd be fairly shocked if he were to start against Fulham on Saturday. I mean, now we've got a few games left, as he said, nothing to play for now that the relegation spots are all sorted out. I don't think we can even finish in the top half if we won every single game and everyone lost. So for us, we're, all, we're playing for roughly 13th, 14th place. Fulham, I expect us to beat, if I'm being completely honest. They're down, they're, their confidence won't be high at all. And then Leeds will be fantastic because we've got fans back for that. Looking forward to that. That should be a good uh, a good spectacle. That should be a good game of football. It was at Ellen Road. It was very competitive. I know they beat us 3-0, but we certainly, the, the game in the first half, and I think now if with a couple of results behind us, we could definitely put in a performance. And then West Ham, I suppose West Ham is an interesting one because we have a chance possibly to spoil the party, depending on what potentially could happen on the final day in terms of the race for the top four or just European football in general. But aside from that, we've got a few, yeah, we, there's a few games left. I'd expect us to pick up at least another win, if I'm being completely honest, especially if we played like we did uh, did yesterday. Yeah, I, I think I think we should beat Fulham and I don't think we'll get anything from the other two games. So I think that's just whereabouts, that's just about where we are as a team right now. And it's interesting that you, that you say that about Arsenal at all and, and Saints not really have anything to play for. I, that's that's what I felt would be would be reflected in that team sheet and and kind of what I was getting at earlier is that I thought why why has he played such a strong team is that because he needs results you know is is he not guaranteed to be the manager next season in which case he's trying to put out his best team but then I saw a good point that was made and it was and it was then also made I think on on the television that if Saints finish for instance twelfth that was like it was something like twelve million pounds more that they would get from finishing 17th, which for Harsen at all, that might be 12 million transfer kitty that he didn't have, which is a, which is a player. 
So I think, you know, it's going to be tight money. We might have to sell in order to buy. And then what I've said to him, look, right now, this is this where we are. If you get to this, you can you can have that have that money in the, in the transfer kitty. If you finish, you know, two, three, four, five places above where you are now. So that, that, that would make the most sense to me as to why he played the team that he did. Yeah, that does make sense. And of course, as you say, if finishing that much higher, 12 million, that's another player, especially if we're going to go down this route of trying to go for cheap sort of bargains, young players. And that, let's talk about that. Well, one player that won't be come to start of next season is Bertrand. Um, this news has come out in the last 24 hours that he... Uh, He'll be leaving at the end of the season when his contract runs out. Contract negotiations obviously didn't uh, get agreed in the end with the with the board, and that that's been him and Ings really. That's been a topic of conversation all all season, and I think worth just touching on what a, what a good servant he's been been with us for seven years and experienced many highs, many lows, and struggles with with the team. But he's always been a consistent performer, and and. I think now is the time to let him go. I think it's a good move for, for both the club and um, and Ryan Bertrand because I feel like his performances were starting to to decrease a little bit, as with the whole team, really. But for, for Bertrand, you know, it, back in the kind of 2015, 16, 17, that's when we saw the best from Ryan Bertrand. In that Kuman team, we talk about it a lot, but he, he was there. He was there when we were reaching cup semi-finals and cup finals. And again this year, so yeah, he, he's been a really good player. And he's when you have a player who plays, you know, specialist position like left back for seven years, it, it saves it saved the club a lot of a lot of money. You know, if you've got a left back or a right back, generally they're going to play. With a lot of attackers, you have players who come in and out and rotated. Uh, Matt Target was a player that that was that looked good. He's gone to Villa and, and was obviously doing well, but. He couldn't get in the in the side because Bertrand was that man for seven years, and um, and he did a really good job. So wherever he does go, yeah, good luck to him. Uh, I, I get I have a feeling it might be might be abroad now, but he is. Well, I think he's turning thirty two in the summer, and uh, and he's probably got one last decent contract in him. And and obviously that wasn't something that Saints could provide. He was a. a terrific servant to the club, and we 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 wish him all the best. As as you said, it's going to be. Strange when you have someone in that position for such a long time, it's going to be weird seeing a different player at that point. I mean, I know that we've chopped and changed and we've seen different players in the even just throughout the season. The fact Stephen Salasu people have gone in that left back position, it'll just be strange to have a consistent left back who isn't Ryan Bertrand. And even throughout the lows, he consistently he consistently performed. Not necessarily stood out all the time, but you'd constantly get your your sevens out of ten, pretty much. Even in when we were playing really badly, Bertrand was at least one player of quality that you could rely on, just a almost a, like com in a comfortable way, as it were. Just like, yep, he's at left back. We we should be fine. And I know some people questions his attitude, but he on the pitch, he always seemed to be a very cool calm person who never really let emotions get the better of of him and when when he did they're actually pretty good and pretty funny especially times when he sort of uh the, the one against Bournemouth where he completely screwed up that throw in and then did the little tap on tap on the wrist 
So, yeah, we will miss him. But let's go on to the other contract, which is going to rumble on for quite some time, uh, in Danny Ings. Yeah, well, completely different story altogether, really, in the, in the fact that whilst we think it's probably Ryan Bertrand's time to move on, Saints fans would give an arm and a leg to keep Danny Ings at the club. Danny is in, an, in a snare as well. He's a few years younger than Ryan, but again, he's he's looking for that last sort of big opportunity. He's obviously pushing for the Euros, this summer, I hope he goes because if he doesn't, I think that's only going to push him further away. He's going to think, "What have I got to do in order to to play for England? I'm not. I can't do it unless I'm at a big club." You know, in in a way, I hope that he realizes what Southampton have done for his career, but for his fitness as well. Because if he's at a bigger club, if he's at a, a Tottenham where they have Kane, or if he's back at Liverpool, somewhere like that, and he gets injured, it's not the be all and end all for those teams. It was for Southampton, and we we managed his minutes perfectly. I thought Hasmussen was. Excellent in managing his minutes over the last couple of seasons. And it's allowed him to become what he has and, and, and the kind of form that we've seen in that time. So from a Slampton point of view, and I, I do think, you know, Danny Ings you know, doesn't really want to leave the club because he, you know, he, he loves the club and everything else. I think it's just more, is there an opportunity for him to play at the highest level and test himself and do what he knew he could have done at Liverpool had injuries not got in the way? I think that's something when it's, when it's all said and done, he hangs up his boots I just feel like Danny Ings might have that niggling regret if he stayed at Southampton for the next seven years. Would he look back and think, you know what, I never really got to test myself at that absolute top level. Could I have done it? And I think he's good enough and I think he knows he's good enough. So for me, I, I just 12 months left on his contract. A big team is going to take that punt and it's not going to cost an awful lot because in 12 months time it will go for free. So from a Southampton point of view, it's a difficult one. They keep talking about how contracts talks are going. They're still going on. The fact that it hasn't been signed with this amount, you know, we've been talking about it for so long, just says to me that it's never going to get signed. It's just whether they try and cash in for, say, 20 million now, uh, which is below his value, but obviously it's that or it's free next year. Uh, what, would, what are your thoughts? What would you look to do? I think that... Say, say the ballpark figure is going to be 20, 25 million tops. I would actually keep him for, an, for another year and let him go for free the next year because I don't think you're going to get a striker of that quality as a replacement for 20 to 25 million pounds in today's market. And I think he's so crucial to us that if, say, we had that in the fans forum that maybe there's rumblings of a takeover, if that is going to take some time to complete, and it's a case of we can't do anything this summer, it might be next summer if something was going to happen, then mm. I think if for just keeping our Premier League status for another year until we can get that financial backing, you keep him, even if he ends up going for free, because I think he is too valuable to the club that we... we, we in terms of what he brings, we saw, we've seen it in, the, in last night... Goal out of nowhere and then another cultured finish to seal the points. We need him at the at the club. We need him in the team. And I just think if we were to cash in on him, we're not going to get someone who brings that level of quality, passion, and luck. even if he, as you said, he loves the club, but he's he's looking from a professional and a career standpoint. Can he improve himself? I don't think for that amount of money you can bring in someone on that level. Because I just don't think in the current market you're going to get that level of quality for that amount of money. No, no, I agree you won't, but you certainly won't, you certainly won't get it free a year later. So 
I'm glad you mentioned the whole takeover thing because I was wondering where the logic was in, in essentially just putting off the inevitable for another year, but actually being in a position where we have zero money from him in order to to invest in a, in a in a good player. If if we got taken over, then great. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's definitely going to be the case. You know, only the owner will have more of an inkling. You know, regarding that. If there is no takeover on the horizon, then I I think we need to cash in on him because I think twenty we we tend to be selling in order to buy, so losing Danny Ings for zero in a year's time and not being given any investment to replace him, I think we're really going to struggle. Whereas twenty million pounds, say, it will get you something. You know, it will get you a, a good championship striker who's got that potential. Yeah. You know, It'll, it'll get you uh, maybe, you know, I don't want to say someone from abroad because we've seen how they turn out, but it will, you know, you can get something for 20 million pounds. It's not Danes, but it's something that we can kind of mould into part of the team and maybe maybe it doesn't get the individual numbers that Ings will get, but maybe it helps the collective in pushing us you know, further up the table. Um, and, and I just think if, if there's no guarantee of money to invest in a year's time, then all we're doing is putting off the inevitable by keeping Ings here. If there's a chance that the squad maybe needs two or three windows to get to a level where we're good enough to stay in the league and just Danny Ings needs to be kept just to pave over cracks for that time, then I can see that. But if we're just going to be in the same scenario as we are now in a year's time with the same sort of players and then we have to let Ings go for free and we can't replace him and we're stuck with Adams and Teller up front, for instance, then we're in some serious trouble. But on another point, if you were to, again, let him go for free, potentially in a year's time, we might be looking in at cashing in on Sally Sue or Vestergaard for even more money. I mean, Sally Sue, if he continues up his form, he's going to be quite a valuable and sellable asset. So you could potentially keep Ings for another year and then use the funds from Sally Sue to replace Danny Ings. I know then you've got a central defender to replace, but I'm just thinking from another point of view. We, at the moment, Ings is our most sellable. Yeah, it's, asset. All, it's all very yeah, but it's all hypothetical, isn't it? I mean, who knows? You know, Yannick Vestergaard might get an injury for the whole of the next season. Salasu might not be the player we think he's going to. These, these are all calculated risks. Right now, I don't. I, yeah, right now, I know we're saying Ings is the sellable asset and and the only one really because we're not going to sell all Prowse. But yeah, it's, it's essentially whether you want to lose £20 million in order to stay up for another season in the hope that things are rosier in a year's time and we have other options. You're saying, you know, we could have a takeover, we could have Salah Super going for £40 million, Vestigar going for £40 million. So I'm saying we could be 17th in the league and we just stayed up and then we lose Danny Ings and we've got no money. So... It really depends, and and it depends what's what's out there to get. You know, there is good talent in other leagues. You know, you could dip into the championship and get. You know, we got Che Adams for fourteen million. You know, if we, I think Watkins went for about twenty eight million or something like that, didn't he? So, yeah, if we if we get twenty five or twenty, then then maybe you can. Yeah, you know, you're not going to get Ivan Tony, but maybe you can get the next the next you know one on the roster. And look how good you know those sorts of players have been. The likes of Watkins and. And Bamford coming up with leads, you know, they can take to the to the Premier League. So yeah, it's it's a difficult one to debate. 
without knowing what the situation is, A, with the contract, and B, with a potential takeover. And you know, Martin Simmons and Co will, will have a lot more knowledge of what's happening to know what the best decision is. And also, you've, you've also got to have a bid on the table. So we've sort of... It's pretty obvious that Saints are working on a bit of a shoestring this summer. We already know, I mean, it's the worst kept secret that Theo Walcott is probably going to be offered a, a two-year deal to, to stay on. But we have been thinking about other players that are out of contract, other bargains that are elsewhere. And Callum, I've had a look at those who are out of contract in the Premier League come the end of the season. And there are some actual, there are some fairly decent ones that we could could look into. Someone mentioned on Twitter because we did put some tweets out asking for your suggestions and there are some players that I did, hadn't considered that actually thinking about them now I think that would be a, a really good addition so Callum let's start with you. What what, what are a couple of players that caught your eye? Uh, yeah well I think we've discussed Bertrand and obviously the first port call was that we need a left back because we, we now have zero left backs. Jack Stevens is playing there and that's not a viable option so not only do we need one but we need backup for both positions. So fullback is is key and with the onus now on, on left back because at least we have Carl Walker-Peters. Uh, a number of replies on on Twitter. We've had Kingsley Mush said Patrick Van Aanholt on a free transfer. Seems like a, a, a pretty obvious replacement. Crystal Palace, half their team uh, and their manager are out of contract at the end of the season. And Patrick Van Aanholt, you know, he's he is someone that potentially in the way that Saints play with the overlaps and what Walker Peters does on the other side. I mean, going forward, arguably, Van Arnholt is, is better than Walker Peters and, and Bertrand. Defensively is a question. What would his wages be? I'm not sure. But when we're on a shoestring budget and we potentially have to sell to buy, he's a real option. Mo, who, uh, who's, I know Mo is Lino from my um, Sunday League, he, uh, he's mentioned Anthony Robinson as well of Fulham. And you always have a look at the bottom three, don't you? It's a, it's a, teams that go down because there's always there are always a few gems in there I think the obvious one is Pereira but I think he's going to be above our station in terms of um, ambition and, and being able to afford him well we'll go into other other positions but yeah Robinson at left back is one another one I thought and I've seen mentioned elsewhere on Twitter as well but just as a cheap backup option for someone because we're looking for someone who can play left and right to cover that yeah the first choice uh, fullbacks and Bogle at Sheffield United people might roll their eyes and, and tuck because who wants anyone from that Sheffield United team but you know you kind of get stuck in a whirlwind a downward spiral with a team like that and they've had an awful season but I thought he was really good when he was at Derby they signed him just a year ago for three or four million so having got relegated I think that's an option where you know I don't know what he's valued at now by Sheffield United but you'd think that you might be able to get him for five or six and that's that and that's a player that if we do get an injury not only is he an option to cover but he's young we can improve him and he might be someone who actually becomes first choice uh, pretty quick but did you agree that Fullback is, and especially left back, that, that's the main area we, we need to target, you know, first and foremost. Absolutely. I mean, we've now got no left back and I doubt that Jake Vokins is going to be getting any minutes next season. So not only do we need a first choice left back, we need a backup because we don't want to be relying on Stevens or Salisu to go at left back. Yes, Stevens has been capable in the last few games, but you, d you don't want to be stuck in that sort of situation. Van Harnholt seems pretty obvious from what you've uh, said. I know that... If we're looking to spend money, possibly Rico Henry from Brentford is another player that's been mentioned. I've had a having a look at 
uh, the free agents. I don't know. I can't remember exactly how he did at Newcastle, but Danny Rose is a potential maybe just to have an experience at left back free agent. I wouldn't have any problems with him coming up as just an experienced backup to whoever we have as first first team. I mentioned someone mentioned as well on Twitter, uh, Jeffrey Schlupp as well. I don't know what you think about that. I know he's a very versatile player. And for Wolves, they um, Saiz is currently out is going to be out of contract at the end of the season. Now, I know he's predominantly a centre back, but again, he's another one of those players who can play really anywhere on that left side of defence, whether it be left back or or centre back. So, a potential a couple of other players. There are some others that I've picked which may be a bit pie in the sky. But I think if we from what well, just on so just on the ones that you mentioned there, I mean, Schlipp's an interesting one. I, I actually, I mean, known that so many Palace players were out contract. Had a look. And Schlupp was one that I say stood out to me because he's not the sort of player that stands out. But I did think, you know what, in terms of someone who could cover a couple of positions for free, that he 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 stood out in that respect to me because I thought, well, if we're on a shoestring budget and we and we can get someone who is cover at left back and he's cover on the left wing, I don't buy that he's cover at, at central midfield in a two, not at all. But those two positions, then potentially, yeah, yeah if we're looking to get someone in just to, as a squad player to strengthen the squad. This season, if we had Jeffrey Schlupp on the bench when Bertrand got injured or when we couldn't get a tune out of Redmond or Gineppo or Teller or anyone, maybe an option. Whereas we put in square picks and round holes, I'm going to get Schlupp on a on a free. who's involved in that title winning side, I think, as well as for, for Leicester. He's got experience in the Premier League. He might not be a standout, but to get him without paying any money... Um, and he was suggested by Tanmay on Twitter to us as well. I think it, it, that would be a... I think that's where we are right now. I think those are the sorts of signings we need to look at. And, and maybe it's hard to accept when we, we thought we would be gunning for Europe. But I think those sorts of signings as a backup, not as a first choice, but as a backup to maybe someone like a Rico Henry would be a good option. I'm not sure we'll go down that route because I don't think we'll get someone that covers left midfield and left back. I think we need someone who covers left back and right back. Brandon Williams and Nico Williams both mentioned as a loan option, potentially. don't think we'd be able to afford the kind of money Man United and Liverpool would be asking for to actually buy them, especially when it won't necessarily be... Well, left back, I mean, it might, you know, it might be first choice. But potentially looking at, at one of those. The other reason for, for maybe not going for someone like Schlupp is because I feel like it might be, um, you know, a bit some potential for us to get a, a left winger in on loan in Adamola Lookman. And if we do that, then we really don't need another person who can kind of queue up to play in that left wing role because we'll have three or four of them. I think Lookman to get him on loan, obviously he, he was really good. He was a standout player, I thought, for Fulham. And he would and he's someone who who Hasnetal knows from from his days at Leipzig. Uh, we've been talking about getting him down to Saints for a few seasons now. But I feel like he'd be a real option. And another one from Fulham, if we're, if we're not taking Jankovic seriously and the fact that he wasn't in the squad and this is an injury, yes, they suggest that maybe he, he won't be part of next season. I'd like to see him as part of it. And if he is, I think we've got four midfielders plus Armstrong to play there if needed. I think we're covered in central midfield. But if he's not, and we just have Diallo, Ward-Prowse and Romeo, who's been injured... Then I, I, I'd I'd have a look at Angriza from Fulham because I think he's um, I think he's a really good midfield player. I think he's um, combative, good on the ball. I think he's a he's a a good version of Mario Lamina, who's going to be coming back. Who I think we could probably shift on. So just the players from 
the sides that have gone down that might potentially add something to to our squad. If you if we're still looking at the 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 clubs that have gone down, I know everyone doesn't really want to touch <coughs> Sheffield United with with the barge pole at the moment. But I'm, I'm not sure how much you'd go for, but Sander Burge, Berger could be uh, an interesting one. I know we have very similar style central midfielders already, but he does look like sort of a little a diamond in in the rough as it were in that Sheffield United team they rate they certainly rate him highly but of course that is depending on how much money we have to spend in terms of pie in the sky free agents mate I've got uh Juan Mata Olivier Giroud are both out of out of uh, contract <laughs> so I know if you want to maybe look down the back of your sofa just to if we can pay for them for maybe like a week or two get them into the side yeah get Sergio Romero in goal He's available. Yeah, why, why not? We could have a team of free agents there, but they, they're free agents. They often ask for that bit more in wages, and I can't can't even imagine what one matter is on at the moment anyway. Burgers is a good shout. I just feel like he's he's one of those where maybe a couple of seasons back he'd be this kind of player, but I feel he'll he'll cost double figures. And he in the central midfield, that's not that won't be the sort of position that we're looking to spend too much money it's it's difficult but i think if you know we need to raise money i think to spend you've got the figures for uh, the sort of net spends Southampton have had in the last few summers and i mean last summer was particularly low so if we're looking at the same sort of figures i mean it was only about nine million last year so we're kind of working off of what we what we sell and, and and looking to spend that and we've got a list of players that we think maybe we could try and push out the door, although I think we've been trying to do that for the last few years. And you made a point to me earlier that it might be difficult to to get much money for them and to get them out full stop. And and, and I'm talking about, you know, Lamina, Wesley Hoop, Shane Long, Elianusi, Valerie, anyone else I've I've forgotten on that on that list. Ooh. Possibly a couple of others that we could look to maybe get Angus Gunn, maybe to get, you know, five to eight million. Of, you know, for some of those players, and you sell sell maybe three of those, and and you've got about twenty million in the bank. So, uh, you know, that I think that will make a huge difference to what we are able to spend. Will we be looking from the free transfers and the loan market, or will we have an opportunity to maybe bring in a Rico Henry? Brentford don't go up, which is obviously another caveat to that. Or would we be able to bring in a, a you know a, a Adamola Lookman, but be able to sign him, you know, permanently. And obviously the question also being, do we get Danny Ings money? And if so, a, a big portion of our budget will need to go on a striker. It will. And say, hypothetically, say we do sell Danny Ings for, you know, the, the 20 million. Have you picked out anyone in particular that you'd have as first choice to go after him? I mean, for me, an obvious one would be Ivan Tony, but that would be if Brentford don't go up. And even then, I think would be blown out the water by other clubs maybe the likes of Leicester or West Ham would yeah. probably go after him so yeah. yeah I don't think we have a chance with uh, Ivan Tony. I'd absolutely love it but I think he's going to cost 35 to 40 million I think he's nailed on I think he's pretty much nailed on to go to West Ham although Leicester are like you said a, a, a the other option potentially I love the idea that we might be able to sell all of that excess player get them off the wage books maybe make ourselves 30 million and then have Tony and Ings up front, which would be an absolute game changer. But um, we're living in la-la land there. But I think uh, in terms of players that 
I've earmarked. I mean, I haven't had a, a huge look at it, but Houseners have said that we're we're in the in the market to to bring in players maybe from the championship. I think aside from the likes of Tony, are going to cost a lot of money. I think Adam Armstrong at Blackburn is someone that is um, ready to make the step up. I think he's a different type of player up front to what we have at the moment. I think he's he's quick, plays off the shoulder, and he's a really good finisher as well. So I think I think he'll get his chance pretty soon. And if Danny Ings goes, I think Southampton would be the perfect fit, just the right type of club for that kind of transfer where we are at the moment. But obviously we're hoping that Danny Ings signs signs that contract. So I think I think you're probably if you're going to look for Armstrong, I don't know what his contract situation is like, but if it's pretty healthy with Blackburn, I think you're probably looking at you know, 15 million. I don't know, Blackburn fans might gasp at, at that, but I think for, for what he is in the championship, I think you're you're looking at about that. Similar to what we paid for Che Adams. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And I've uh, just saying he's a different type of striker and it'd be great to have him in the team. Well, if we could both, if we could have Armstrong linking up with Armstrong, then, you know, t- there's already that understanding right there. So, we, <laughs> so we've, we've got that. Double um, Armstrong. If he's anything like Stu, then we've got a terrific, we could get a terrific player there. Yeah, I've earmarked another couple of people from the championship. I know you're, you're not his biggest fan and whether we would go for him, I don't know uh, because we're so crammed in that area anyway but Arnout Danjuma I've watched him a lot this season with work and he is when he's on it he is on it I know he didn't perform in the game in the FA Cup but he's performed fantastically for Bournemouth this season but again how much is he going to cost I think Bournemouth I think 15 million could probably get him off Bournemouth's hands if they weren't to go up. And I think he'd be a terrific player to go for. But again, if, if we're restricted with how much we can spend, then getting another left forward is not where we need to be putting yeah. our funds. Not I don't all. know if I am. Um, if I've, have I, have I tweeted that Dan Juma's maybe not a good idea? Have I just said something to you after that Bournemouth game? I'm not sure. I think it was a tweet. If I'm wrong, then of course I apologise. Well, here we go. Immediate thoughts on Arnat Dan Juma, Callum. Shite. no no he's yeah I I mean he's he's by all accounts I haven't seen an awful lot of him and he was anonymous in the game against Saints which is what I'm basing a lot of it on also I'm basing it on the fact that he had a season with Bournemouth in the Premier League and uh, no one knew he was there so add that to what I expect would be a pretty hefty fee like you said about 15 million if they don't get promoted, plus all the players that we have at left midfield, uh, left wing. I mean, if he if we did get him, I think we'd have to sell one of Redmond or Gineppo, essentially, which I don't really see happening. I think I think Redmond's improved as the season's gone on and can play up front as well for Arsenal at all. And I think Gineppo is is a, a work in progress and he's a, a Arsenal at all. Signing, so I, I I think he's going to stick by his man, and he and he's young. So yeah, Dan Juma, another luxury one, really. You know, if we can sign players like Dan Juma and Berger, they're the sorts of players that I would have liked to have signed maybe a few years ago when our squad was good, competitive, and we can add that extra bit of quality. You know, maybe the sorts of signings that maybe uh, trying to think who's in the table, but you know, maybe a lead, someone in that kind of position. Could maybe just add a couple of, of extra talents. Personally, for me, we've said, you know, if we if we could generate £20 million from the sale of a few of those 
assets. You know, I think Celtic would take Elianusi. I think Gunn's done enough in the Championship to get a move. I think Lamina's got game time in the Premier League and he could probably now get a move abroad. And then you've got the likes of Long and, and Wesley Hoot and Valerie, who if they did go, would, would only be for a few million each anyway. If we managed to get kind of 20 million for those players, I think half of that would go on a left back, maybe 10 to 12 million for a Rico Henry, someone like that. I think we'd then get either a loan, a freebie or a cheap option for someone to cover both left and right fullback. So if we went for, say, let's, you know, I don't, I don't know who you would go for, but if I said Rico Henry, if Brentford didn't go up, and then Bogle for another, say, five, maybe, you know, if we're lucky, we can keep that at 15, 16 million. Then you may be looking at Lookman on loan and we keep Ings and we keep Yankovitz. And then, you know, we've kind of, you know, maybe got another five million to spare. If we, you know, we, we're getting Walcott in. I don't think if Ings stays, I don't think we'll get another striker. I don't think we need another centre-back. And the goalkeeper situation, I, I do think he wants another goalkeeper. But again, I think that's a luxury. If we've got an extra 10 million, then maybe he'll do it. But for me, I think if we got Rico Henry and we got someone like a Bogle who can who can play back up or someone on loan who can do that, and then we went and got someone like Lookman to add to that attack, I think that would put us in a position where we're quite strong and we'd maybe be able to get one or two players, maybe on this this list of freebies, where you might be able to get someone just to bulk up the squad a little bit. Mm. Not, not massive wages, but I'm, I'm just having a, having a quick look through now. But like you like you said, a Roman size, if we needed someone to cover left-back, centre-back, can play holding midfield as well. Players on that list like Goodmanson from Burnley, who I know he's had his injuries, but very good in that position. I think he would fit that right-hand side of, of our 4 really, really well. You know, just a couple of players maybe like that, maybe in the Anguissa if we lost Jankovic. I think that's that's kind of the best that we can hope for. And and that's that's probably what I would look to do if I had that kind of fund available. I mean, Matt Lowton is, is another one from Burnley who would be a really good uh, competition for Walker-Peters. So maybe in that respect, you you could get maybe a, a, a you know a Rico Henry and a Lowton, and then maybe a left back on loan or you know someone like that. So we you know there's some really good options for free, and it means you know although you might have to spend more on wages, it really bulks up that squad without really having to spend an awful lot of money. Well, mate, one player that came to mind, possible bargain. And I I doubt he's going to cost an arm and a leg, but we could try and get Adam Phillips from Accrington Stanley. He's got a terrific goal at the weekend. Great finish. I can't. Who was that against again? Yeah, no, I was I was I was taken back by the celebration more than anything. I'm not sure where he got that from, but uh, yeah, what what a what a player, and uh, I, I feel like he's um, he's put himself down as a fan's favourite before he even uh, before he even joins the Saints so maybe he's maybe he's chucked himself into the window well I certainly hope so uh, maybe he will go out for a round of golf or two with James Will Prowse and of course Portsmouth can look forward to their lovely trips to Cambridge Cheltenham and maybe Forest Green next season I would probably go for obviously first choice left back whether that's Rico Henry I haven't seen any other names that we could possibly be after uh, LF back and then like you say maybe try and get Brandon Williams someone like that on loan just to cover both left back and right back if not Van Arnholt I think is a, a free a free hit as it were is, a, is, a, is an obvious choice if he stays out of contract then of course I don't know if you're if, you, if you're making any other big money signing let's say big money like 10 million 
if Rico Henry is going to be the main uh, one we go for. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just having to think of it. Anyone else that you might, maybe, maybe alone, like you said, like a Lookman, he would, he'd be decent. And then it's, it's a bit, it's a bit bleak with the options that we're sort of swirling around trying to find to go into the team. I mean, we could, we could get a nice surprise and then Saints could chuck us. Because let's not forget, whilst we are sort of thinking about freebies, getting one player for 10 million, let's not forget that last summer, despite the net spend that was quite low, we've still spent about 11 million on Diallo, um, another 11 million on Salisu. We've got Walker on loan and then Walker Peters we've spent uh, 12 million on. I know that we got quite a bit of money for Hoybier, so it sort of cancelled it out. But we still managed to make those make those transfers and spend that amount. So it's it, it's it's a big summer for Saints. If we can come out the other side with at least some depth, and if we can actually get a fullback this time, because remember the last time we had a window and we desperately needed a fullback, we signed a left attacking midfielder who hasn't done anything. Yeah. So, um, and we've also mentioned him in, in this uh, in this episode. A couple more mentions. For, for players, I mean, we were, we were linked in, in January and he didn't come to us because he wanted to play centre midfield. But um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, someone down in Cowboys, has said potentially we could go in for him again as cover in a number of positions. He'd be a really good shout as a squad player and someone that can push other players around him. You know, he's someone where if we did have an injury in centre midfield or right back or left back, suddenly we've got someone who can play there. To have someone in our squad that can play a few positions... Um, and and it's really athletic and, and not injury prone. I think it's, it's that's almost like having three squad signings. Ashke Haridas, I'm pronouncing that right, has said Kiefer Moore at, at Cardiff, who's had a good season. Not the youngest, but if you're looking at, at goal scorers in the championship, uh, he's done well. And then uh, Gabriel Goodmanson from from Groningen, who uh, I don't know myself, but we've had, we've had a couple of of um, I say left field. I mean I don't, I don't know if he's left if he plays the left wing or not. But he, a couple of options of, of players where we, we pretty much said on Twitter, didn't we? You know, if you've got anyone up your sleeve or anyone that you think it doesn't stand out from the Premier League or Championship, but you think you know you want to put a shout out there now and say, "Oh, I think that they'll be a real good player," then uh, then then let us know. But I think we're we're looking at the Championship mostly. But a couple of people have, have mentioned. Uh, I tell you one thing, right? Yeah, we're talking about all of these players that we think we should sign and names that we think we'll will end up at Saints if we were to go for them before the before last summer. Who who can on put their hand on their heart and say they had honestly heard of Mohamed Salisu, Ibrahim Diallo as well? We've got all of these names, and then Saints just go out and buy the most left field signings that we think. Oh well, I wasn't expecting that, but. I've done some digging on that play. Yeah, that seems like a good option. I guess we're sort of so focused on the Premier League and the Championship that there are there are those gems out there, and I suppose that's why scouts get paid uh, the money that they do. There are there, and um, we yet we yet to see if Diallo and Salisu are that, or if they're another Guido Carrillo or uh, Mario Lamina or Wesley Hoot, who we're still trying to shift all these years later. Sam Dorthwaite has said he's always kept an eye on Hans Vanneken. Uh, 28 year old from from Belgium. He's a creative player and quite tall, and, and he thinks he's stocky enough to play in the Premier League. And then um, Brandon Paul says Callum Styles from Barnsley. I think that's the kind of player, that's the kind of level that we're looking at. Players that have, have, have formed well in the Championship. Obviously, Barnsley might get promoted, which would be an astonishing achievement. But if they don't, then those, I think those are the types of players, you know, 
we're, currently we're banking on Bournemouth not to go up, Brentford not to go up, <laughs> Barnsley not to go up. So Swansea for the uh, yeah, off you go out. Swansea, off you go. But yeah, I think I, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think from our point of view, if we if we Managed to sell Elianusi, Angus Gunn, Mario Lamina, Hoyt and Long, you know, maybe Valerie, those sorts of players. And we and we managed to bring in Rico Henry at left back, maybe Brandon Williams on loan. Although I think he'd want guaranteed first team football, if, if I'm honest. So maybe someone like a like a Bogle or Mainsley and Niles to cover those areas. Yeah, and Adamona Lookman. We brought in those three players. And then maybe the odd freebie or or, or or cheap player just to bolster the squad, like a schlup, like a size, those sorts of players we've said. I think that would be enough for us to be comfortably safe next season. Because the point in us talking about this is that Saints were the first eleven were exceptional in the first half of the season under Hasenets or in a season and, and, and we struggled massively and it's been incredibly frustrating. But you've got to remember that this is a season like no other. Every manager's been moaning about injuries. Every team has had three games in a week, far too often. And when you play the way in which Ralph Hasenetal does, with the size of the squad that we have, it's inevitable that we were going to struggle. My problem is that Hasenetal didn't adapt to this season, continued to push against it. And I, th- I thought that was um, quite naive. And, and that's my issue with what Hasenetal's done is then he hasn't he hasn't adapted he hasn't had a plan B and and but he hasn't had much of a squad to deal with it I think next season where you, know, you think back to to a couple of seasons ago it's almost a, a, an oddity if we had a midweek game yeah you know, that wasn't a cup game it's it very it was very often one game a week and they got to Christmas and we'd have a little flurry and we'd we'd think oh God you know Christmas is so difficult and everyone would moan about it all the managers would moan about it we've had that all season. Now we've crammed the season into seven months. If we manage to get three, you know, three or four, maybe five sign-ins just to bolster that squad, one of which is a first-choice left-back, I think our first team would not have the injuries. We'd be able to push, hopefully, a little bit up the table. And if we do get injuries, we'll have specialists in our squad that we can call upon. And if we're not winning a game or we need to change it up, rather than looking at, nine youth players on the bench and thinking, God, who's going to come in? We're actually looking and going, who's going to be able to change this game for us? And uh, maybe we'll see Ralph make a substitution before the 85th minute because of that. So for me, that would be great. Just one more question. You mentioned nine million net spend last summer. You said for the last couple of summers before that, our net spend was was actually considerably higher than that. Yeah, it was. Sort of around circa 30 million. Yeah, it was. And I think that was more because of the, not necessarily the individual transfers, but we we sold quite a few players for small amounts of money, got them off the wage bill, and we managed to get up a little bit. But we also, if you think about it, we did spend quite a bit. If you think about it, he's got about 15 million, in 1819, about 15 million on Elianusi. Couple that with about 20 on Yannick Vestergaard. And that's just two players. I'm trying to think who else we signed in that in that particular Signings. Summer. Although we didn't spend any money on Ings until the summer after, who else? No, uh, but in the last couple yeah, of years, yeah, yeah. Angus Gunn, Angus Gunn as well, about fifteen million for him from Manchester City. So it all it all adds up. Hey, Adams, yeah, Adams, Jenapo, both of them collectively twenty five million. 
So it all does build up and we've had sellable assets in that time. We've have got rid of a few players, Hoybier being one of them. Got a lot of people off the books, off the wages, Jordi Classy, that kind of stuff. So we do we do spend, it's just those small amounts that build up. So my, so my question to you then is, I mean, we've, we've talked about this on the basis that we would have start with a kitty of zero and have to sell to buy. Like we have seen in previous, you know, with, if we wanted to bring in Che Adams, but we, we'd already spent some money or, or had some money earmarked in that window. So we were like, you've got to sell someone first. So we sold Matt Target. But we have actually, you know, we've been in a, in a plus net spend for the last few years. So, you know, money has been spent. It hasn't all been sell to buy so we've said what we'd do if it was zero in the kitty if we did spend say 15 million you know it was, it was 9 10 million last year up in the 30s before that i'm not sure it will be because i think i think gal does have an eye on selling and i'm not sure spending millions of pounds on players will be at the top of his list and also read that he only bought it because ch- football was kicking off in china and that seems to have slowed down a bit now when he's kind of stuck a little bit with the club so but but regardless of that if if we did start with 15 million and we've said the kind of signings that we'd get for the 20 we'd generate and then you end up with 15 million to spend how how would you spend it i mean that sounds like one kind of marquee signing for for our level if we if we got if we sold those players we got henry in we got a backup fullback both sides and we loaned lookman and maybe another freebie, and you've still got 15 million for that kind of, we say that luxury signing, someone that can come in and affect the first 11. Um, Because I think a lot of what we're going to sign is squad players, apart from the left back. I think if you've got 15 million to spend on one player, I think you've got to, I think I'd go for a striker. And I think I'd go and try and get Adam Armstrong off Blackburn, or maybe Lucas Shaw off Reading. I think if you've got that amount of money, and you've already dealt with the key areas of the squad, your fullbacks, maybe getting a bit of depth anywhere. And you've got that amount to, if you've got that amount available and you're trying to get one player, you want to get a player that's going to make you stand out from the sides around you. And I think if we manage to bring in the likes of an Armstrong, a Zhao, maybe a Dan Juma, our, our real only attacking options at the moment up front are Adams or Ings. And then, and then you're fitting square pegs and round holes and just hoping that it works out if you're putting Redmond and Walcott. So I think we'd have to go for another striker. And I think Armstrong, Zhao, great op- great ones to go for, affordable and realistic as well. Yeah, and I think that kind of adds to your point as we as we wrap this one up, that you, you're also able then to bring in a striker who is an eventual replacement for rings if he goes for free the following summer. I wonder if that spells, if you do bring in another striker, and I agree with you, if you've got 15 million... I mean, you usually have to spend money to get a good striker. You can get away with getting some fullbacks or getting some, um, maybe even central midfielders on on the cheap. But for someone who's going to win you a football match, get a decent striker and you're going you're to have to spend some money. So I agree with someone like Armstrong. For me, though, that probably spells the end for someone like an Obafemi. Or maybe maybe someone like Teller goes out on loan. Or, you know, I'm, I don't, we, we'd, have, we'd have Ings, we'd have... Adam Armstrong or Zhao or whoever, you'd have Adams. Those three are going to be fighting it out. Then you're going to have one of the young players potentially coming in. Unlandulu won't get a look in. And I think it's either Teller or or Obafemi, especially if we got someone like a Lookman on loan, because then Teller probably won't get much game time out on the left wing either. So, yeah, it would be interesting. But, but the point is that 
if we did have 15 million given to us by the owner to spend, it's a luxury. And we'd be looking at maybe a striker that right now we don't, I say we don't need, but if Ings is there, we're not desperate for a striker. So if I'm saying to you, you've got 15 million pound in the kitty to spend at Saints, what we're saying is, oh, we'd, we'd use that dear luxury player because actually we've got the deadwood to get rid of and sell that should allow us to be sustainable enough to finish comfortably out of the relegation zone. Um, and that's where we are at the moment until we get taken over. And I guess that's kind of the idea and the kind of message for this for this episode is that moaning about how Ralph doesn't have any money and he isn't able to spend and everything else. Well, there is value in those loan markets, in those expired contracts markets. And we have the money sat there in players on loan that we don't want in the squad you know, you, you mentioned to me and others have, have sort of said as well, oh, someone like Eli Nussi might get another go. And if Hasenertal thinks he's good enough, then great. Yeah, all for it. But there's a reason he was loaned out by Hasenertal, as were the rest. And and that's that's because he didn't see from him what he what he needed. So I think those players, well, they will try and shift them. And I think we have a better opportunity this year of doing it because they've, I say impressed, but impressed enough on loan. To, to maybe warrant that move. So I, I don't think it's, it's, it is a huge window for us, but I don't think it is one where our hands are tied behind our back. I think this first team is good. I think the squad definitely needs improving. We need two players in every position. And if we do have a little bit of money to spend, then we'd be able to improve an area that arguably is already quite decent. Well, whatever happens, it's going to be a really interesting summer. Obviously, keep on sending in your suggestions on Twitter. We're, we're, we haven't even got the transfer window started, so we're going to want constant people that you might want to sign throughout the summer. This is going to be our last episode that is dedicated to pretty much the final games of the season. Next week, we're going to be looking at our team of the season. So please send in your suggestions for, for that. We'll also then be looking back to our predictions at the start of the season and having a chuckle about how right or how drastically wrong uh, we got those. I can already, already a few of them are coming to mind of certain teams that we thought might be in and around the relegation zone or are actually fighting for, Europe, for European football come the end of the season. Because yeah, obviously Saints still do have a few games left of the season our season isn't over unlike them locked down the road who once again uh, managed to bottle it at the very final hurdle and also you know like you said the window's not open yet and we will come back to I'd imagine a similar episode where rumours are rife um, and everything else but we've also got to remember that we, we've got the pleasure of a European Championship this summer so there will be all sorts of shouts and all sorts of names for Austria's right winger who, who's banged in a hat trick in the first game and there'll, there'll be you know, players from absolutely everywhere that you know this, this guy's doing well for Sweden remember those days where Saints used to used to buy players off World Cups and always used to be from Sweden about 20 years ago there'll be uh, there'll be many many opportunities for people to um, to make shouts and I imagine that even if they don't get signed by Saints a few of them will get some moves and you'll be able to look back in a, in a in a year or two's time at those tweets and say, you know what, I called it. I said he'd be the next Ronaldo and here he is. The next Austrian Ronaldo. Yes, yeah, so if you want to keep on 
throwing those suggestions at us, then you can find the podcast at under underscore saints. You can find me on Twitter at T214 Murray. You can find me at Callum Wilson 21. As next week, we'll be doing our Premier League team of the season. We will do a review on Saints this season as well. And we'll have a look briefly at those last few games. But next next week is our team of the year. I don't know about you, Tom, but I'm pretty sure mine's going to be considerably different to uh, Neville and Carragher. And uh, and and by all means, send us send us some tweets, send us your full eleven, or just send us a player that you think been overlooked. And next week we'll uh, we'll talk about what our Premier League team of the seasons are. I can tell you one thing: there won't be a Saints player in mine. No, definitely not. Uh, very much, even even with the uh, the Saints tinted glasses on, I don't think I'm going to be able to fit any Saints players in there as much as I would like to. But uh, no, it's going to be a good episode and we're looking forward to doing it. So have a very good evening. And as always, remember to stay safe and stay wonderful.